Hi folks, this is Michael and welcome to the Blood Walk. And uh, today, let me share with you briefly, I had, uh, I've got an episode that I'm going to post and I think I'm going to post it after this one and it's called Effective Spiritual Warfare. And the reason why I'm, uh, I'm delaying that episode is because I, I listened to it last night and I thought, you know, Michael, you got a little hard in there. I got a little hard in some places. And, uh, and I thought it's, you know, it's absolutely necessary. And I realize I overuse that phrase a lot, absolutely necessary, but it's a true phrase. But it is necessary, people, to know what the Torah is. It is necessary, people, to understand and so I want to give it to you in the way that the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And this, this, this is like a revelation that unfolds over the seasons. It unfolds over the years. But let's begin right here, all right? The Torah is the instructions of God. The Torah are the instructions, the word that came from above, the word that proceeded from the mouth of the Creator, all right? This is the Torah. Now then, the last time that God ever spoke out loud on planet Earth was on the Mount of Transfiguration when he said, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Hear ye him. Let's take that back to the Hebrew people because everybody thinks that that just means to listen. No, it does not mean to listen. In the Hebrew, the word here is called Shema, S-H-A-M-A. -A. It's uh, from where you get the word Samuel or the name Samuel, Shema. And Shema has a, uh, a twofold meaning. It means not only to listen, not only to hear, but to apply, to obey, to hear and obey. That's what the word here means, twofold, hear and obey. All right, so when the Father... When the maker of heaven and earth said on that mountain, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. God himself, people, God himself is calling Yeshua, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Torah. The Torah, the instructions of God. The Torah, okay? Very simple. This is not rocket science, but... You have to follow along in these things for quite some time before the Holy Spirit really begins to lift the fog from so many things that were lost in the, uh, in the annals of time, in the dust of history, things that were buried by the Roman Catholic Church, right? Understandings and revelations and wisdom that they just went through and eradicated throughout wherever they were, right? The Roman Catholic Church did all they could, all that was in their power, people, to destroy the Lamb of God. Not only Yahshua the Messiah, uh, they murdered him on the cross, but they murdered his message too. And they did it with great glee and delight because they knew once they could capture the gospel, once they could pervert the gospel, they could keep the people in bondage to the power of Rome indefinitely. And I'd have to say they were very right and very successful in that. And that their inspiration came from beneath, deeply from beneath. Now then, if you will recall what God said about his Torah, right? Let me go back to Moses. 
that you are not to add to his word, nor are you to take away from his word. If you add to his word, he says he's going to add all the curses in the book to you. If you take away from his word, he says he's going to take away your part, your part in the inheritance of Israel, which is the tree of life. It's eternal life. It's the kingdom of heaven. So if you add to the word, people, you're adding every curse in the book uh, uh, upon yourself and upon your nation, uh, uh, upon your community, you add to these things. You you, you add the, you know you add the curses, right? The curses of disobedience, and they are not fun. These are nation destroying curses. All right. If you if you add to His Word, you're going to have all this stuff added to you. If you take away from His Word, He's going to take away your part out of His kingdom. That is how serious it is, folks, to monkey with the word. It's very serious stuff. So what happens today? All right, well, let's go back, all right, and hear ye him. How do you apply this? How do you apply that in your life? It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. Just pull yourself back a little bit and reflect. And not only, not only to hear the words of Yahshua, but to observe his actions, right? Allow him to be your example, not just in what he said, but in what he did also, okay? Now, that's not hard, is it? That's not hard at all. You can go through Matthew and you can see, did Yahshua keep the Sabbath? Yes, in fact, he did all the time. Now, you find over in John, I think John 5, where, uh, you know, again, here we have, uh, you know, Greek, Latin, English translators, who, uh, who want to translate a certain phrase and say, and Yahshua broke the Sabbath. Well, these people f- took a word called luo, which means to set free. And they took that word luo, and they turned it into the word break. It doesn't mean break. It means to set free. All right? So what you have over here in John is what Yahshua is actually doing, people, is he is setting the Sabbath free from the gross traditions, the gross man-made laws, rules, and regulations that the, that, the, um, that the rabbis had added to the Sabbath. And they took the Sabbath, which is a day of freedom, and they turned it into a day of bondage. Right? The Sabbath is a day of freedom. All right? It's, oh, man, people, I, I'll tell you what. If you want to obtain understandings, knowledge, revelations of the Creator, it's necessary to keep the Sabbath. It's necessary, right? Uh, Because when you remove the Sabbath from your life, all right, you are removing the great rest, the great peace, the great shalom from your life also. You kick out the Sabbath, and you're just getting ready to walk into a world of doo-doo. You really are. Uh, Anyway, so... So, you know, really, in essence, what the, uh, what the Romans did was they took the word of truth and they buried it under a labyrinth, under a mountain of lies to where, you know, uh, you could spend your whole life trying to unravel all of these lies. Or you can rely upon the Holy Spirit and the word of truth, right? And he'll blast them in a heartbeat. Um, but it take it takes some courage and it takes some guts. It really does to stare to stare at the truth, to behold the truth, and understand that that uh, that that for thousands of years men have been living a lie. At, at times, that that can be a rough thing to behold, right? Uh, especially when you get uh, when you get an understanding of just what Saul of Tarsus and those thirteen epistles really are, 
And that these are the mountain of lies, people, a mountain of lies that the Romans used to absolutely bury the word of truth, the mill thought of truth, buried away, hidden away in a deep, dark dungeon of lies, right? And I tell you truly, folks, the light is come. The light is come again. The light is come. It really is. The revelation of the Torah is going forth, and the Torah is hear ye him. Hear ye him. And, and I tell you truly, when you pick up the cross and you follow him, these things are going to become very clear, very apparent to you, right? Very clear. So, you know, today out in, uh, out in the world of Christianity, out in the world of Paul, and it's like uh, when you bring up the, uh, the law, the, the Torah, to, uh, to Christians, uh, a, a lot of times one of the first things out of their mouth is, it's impossible to do, no man can do it, that's why it had to be put away, it was an impossibility. Now we have, uh, you know, this Pauline bullshit called grace, right? And, uh, and to the Christian, grace supersedes, you know, the entirety of the Word of God. Grace supersedes obedience to God. Grace supersedes hearing the voice of God. Grace supersedes obedience to God. Grace supersedes everything in the world of Christianity. It is there... It is one of the most horrific deceptions that has ever been perpetrated upon mankind is that grace supersedes the authority of the living God, and that is exactly what they teach. Uh, you know, the Torah was put away at the cross, right? It was put away at the cross because no man could do it except Yahshua, right? So uh, anyway, I mean, I know you're all familiar with, with that, you know, that the Torah is impossible, but let me tell you something, folks. God himself never says such a thing. If folks would ever go back and find out what God himself had to say about his word, he said, this is easy. This is not a burden to you. This is easy. This is a piece of cake, people. Just do it, right? And I'm going to tell you something else, and I think a lot of you, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, in referring to, uh, uh, to Israel being in the wilderness, right? And this is where God spoon-fed the sons of Israel, he spoon-fed them his, uh, his instructions. They were spoon-fed. He didn't dump everything on, on everybody all at once and say, hey, you make a mistake here and you're toast. That's not God. That, that's a rabbi. You know, that, that, that's a rabbi. That's not the living God, people. It is not. It's not the Holy Spirit. God is merciful and kind and generous and forgiving, very, very forgiving. He is just overflowing with mercy and compassion, all right? You know, and if you know him, right, that is not a revelation if you know him. Unfortunately, there are too many people behind the pulpit who do not know the living God. They never have. And if they continue on the way they are going, they never will. They know a spirit of religion. They know a false anointing. They know a false word, right? But they do not know the word of truth. They do not know the living God, or they would not be speaking such dribble out of their mouths. Now, uh, let's talk about something here called... Uh, in some writings, this is called the Holy Law, the Holy Torah, right? And you're not going to find that expression in your King James Bible. However, this is what this refers to. And uh, this, was a, uh, this was a verse in, uh, in Matthew that was edited by the, uh, by the Catholics, by, by the popes, by the monks, by whoever was messing and monkeying around with the word, right? And, and it's, the, it's the golden rule. And... Uh, and in other versions, it goes like this. As you have done unto others, so shall others do unto you. 
Therefore, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. This is the holy law, right? Now you take a look at this. How do you love your neighbor as yourself, folks? You do unto your neighbor as you would have your neighbor do unto you. Now, this is a law. It really is. This is a commandment. This is a law. This is a word of truth, right? This is how you're going to end up breaking down animosities between you and your friends, you and your neighbors, you and, and your brothers and your sisters, right? Is you're just going to treat them the way that you want to be treated, right? Do you want to be railed on? No. Then don't rail on others, right? Do you want to get beat up? Then don't beat up others, right? Do you want to be blessed? Bless others, right? And you and if you take this and you give it a universal application, apply it to your heavenly Father also. Do unto your God as you would have your God do unto you. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, most folks, when they come before God, they are in, in a place of asking, 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 asking. They want their prayers answered, right? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Including the Father, including the maker of heaven and earth. There are things that he asks of his people, right? And things that are necessary, like keep my commandments, right? Keep my commandments. Obey my voice. Keep my commandments. If you will do unto God, if you will obey his voice and do his commandments, he'll do the same unto you. He'll answer your prayers big time, big time. That's why Yahshua said, if you continue in my word, ask the Father anything in my name, and I'll do it, right? But there's a prerequisite to that. There's a prerequisite to that. And the prerequisite to that is hear ye him. It's very simple. Very, very simple. All right? You take a look at other things that Yahshua did. He always kept the feast. That's why I say, man, if you really want to find Yahshua, keep the feast. Passover, unleavened bread, Pentecost, atonement, trumpets, tabernacles. He's always there, people. Always. Always. You want to find Yahshua, keep the feast. So let's briefly discuss here the importance of acting upon the truth. All right. So let's briefly, let's reverse engineer the fall of Adam and Eve. And it's, it's pretty simple to do once you... Uh, once you cut up all the commentary and just get back to the nuts and bolts of the situation here. And the nuts and bolts of the situation is this. Adam and Eve acted upon a lie and they died. All right. Adam and Eve acted upon a lie and they died. However, now on account of what Yahshua did, on account of the phenomenal victory that he obtained at the cross, people, that is why it is so necessary Again, very necessary to act upon the word of truth. Adam and Eve acted upon the lie and they died. However, now, if you act upon the word of truth, you'll live. Right? The word of truth that is within you, the word of truth, that holy seed which is creating and forming a brand spanking new Adam and Eve. You know, Eve if you're a woman, Adam if you're a guy, right? A brand spanking new Adam within you that is born of the word of truth. Okay, he's born of the word of truth. Okay, now when you act upon that truth, when you hear ye him, 
Yahshua is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? If you will do that, if you will do that, before long, you are all going to begin to get an expectation, an expectation, people, of the tree of life, an expectation of the kingdom of heaven, an expectation of the paradise of God is going to become something you're actually going to be able to comprehend obtaining. It's going to be a hope in you, an expectation in you, okay? As you begin to do these things, as you take up the cross, know that, uh, yes, you're, the old Adam will die. He most certainly will. He is supposed to. He's supposed to. You are to decrease so that uh, so that the milfar within you can increase. All right? This is what... This is a picture uh, of like John the Baptist, right? Uh, I must decrease, but he must increase. This is like you. You are going to decrease. You're going to decrease. And the word of truth, the word and the spirit is going to increase within you, right? Uh, this is when you're in the place where you are becoming, you are becoming the word made flesh. This is the goal. This is the goal. Now, here's something I also want to want to bring up to you guys, and uh, you'll find this over in the book of Hebrews, all right, where it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You're all familiar with that. I mean, I, I imagine that is a, uh, you know, that is a solid doctrine within the heart of most Christians, right? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Again, folks, go back to Matthew go back to Mark, go back to John, right? You can go back to Luke. Take a look at the baptism of John. The baptism of John, my friends, was for the remission of sin, okay? The baptism of John was for the remission of sin, and yet there was no blood sacrifice required. There was no shedding of blood required. None. Nada. Zilch. Zip. None. So now that's going to open up a whole can, folks. It's going to open up a whole can when you get a hold of that, right? That remission of sin does not require the shedding of blood. Now either this friend of Paul over in Hebrews, either he is telling you the truth or John the Baptist is telling you the truth. Or Yahshua was telling you the truth. Because Yahshua submitted to John's baptism. No shedding of blood required. Right? You're going to have to figure out for yourself. And that's why I say you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose whom are you going to believe. Are you going to believe Yahshua, the Son of God? Or are you going to believe somebody of Paul's? Right? Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to choose? What word are you going to act upon? Whose word are you going to do? Are you going to do the words of Yahshua, the Messiah, that God himself commanded? Hear ye him. Hear and obey the instructions of my son. Hear and obey him. Right? Are you going to do this? Are you going to answer the request, the prayer of God unto you? Or are you going to follow after men who never obtained the kingdom of heaven? Men who never obtain the paradise of God. Men who never obtain the tree of life. 
You're going to listen to them. They failed. Or you're going to listen to Yahshua. He absolutely succeeded in all things that he did. And so will you, folks. So will you. When you hearken diligently to the Son of God, you will live. You're going to act upon the truth. And life is going to begin to spring forth in you. Do you hear me? Life will spring forth within you as you hear and obey the Son. All right? Again, first thing he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? Folks tend to laugh about that a little bit today because they're thinking, wow, you know, kingdom of heaven is at hand. Man, no one's seen it in 2,000 years. No kidding. No kidding, people. That's because folks have kicked the Torah out of their lives. They've kicked the law of God out of their lives. They've kicked the commandment out of their lives, right? They didn't do such things. The first generation disciples of Yahshua, the apostles of the Lamb, they did not do such things. They followed very strictly what Yahshua had to say, right? They followed it very, very strictly. So again, you shall not add to my word and you shall not take away from my word. All right, quoting Moses, quoting the Father. Do not add to my word, do not take away from my word. Well, let me tell you something, folks. When you add those 13 epistles to the teachings of Yahshua, you have done a massive, massive, massive addition. You have added to his word and you have taken away from his word. You've done both things that God said is going to get you in a boatload of trouble. Right? Uh, Paul takes away the entirety of the Torah, the entirety of the commandments, people. And he adds his Gnostic Gospels, and they are, they're Gnostic. Um, they don't have, it's got a, nothing to do with Hebrew, nothing to do with Moses, nothing to do with the Son of God. This is some external revelation that Paul got from studying Greek tragedies, and you will find, if, if you understand what was taught, in these Greek tragedies, and then you go back and you take a look at his epistles, you're going to find this guy had no revelation of the Son of God whatsoever. His revelations were on the goat, not on the lamb. Everything Paul tells you about Yahshua makes him out to be the goat, right? Christians today, you know, because they believe Paul, right? They think that uh, somehow Yahshua became a curse, right? As, as Paul had said, cursed is he who hangs on a tree, right? Well, that is also, that is taking the word way out of context, way out of context. The prerequisite to being accursed and cut off and cut off from God was you had to have committed, right, personally committed a sin worthy of death. So I pose this to you people, somebody, anybody, you name me one single sin that Yahshua committed that was worthy of death. Name one. You can't. You can't. Why not give him the same mercy that he gave uh, to the woman caught into the act of adultery? If you are without sin, you cast the first stone, right? Well, I'll tell you what. Paul did nothing but bury Yahshua under a mountain of stones, under a mountain of condemnation, so far as to say, you know, and again, go back to Second Corinthians five. I believe it's there, possibly five sixteen. But you know, you can explore that for yourself. To where Paul is essentially saying that uh, that the words and the teachings of Yahshua are irrelevant. You don't need them. You should not apply them. And if you do, you're cursed and you're cut off from God. Right? This is exactly what he taught. He commands people to follow him, 
Imitate me. Imitate me. No, dude, I don't think I will. You're a dead man, and you're, and you're moldy in the grave, and, and you got nothing uh, uh, for fellowship except the worms of your own deadly soul. That's the only fellowship you're going to have with Paul if you continue on with him is worms. You're going to fellowship with the grave. You're going to fellowship with death. But you're not going to have fellowship with the Son of God if you follow Paul. Why? Because he is a massive addition. He, man, he is a massive addition to the Word. And today, what is so tragic is that when Christians go back and they read the words of Yahshua, they are actually um, making the words of the Son of God subject to Paul. They make Yahshua subject to Paul. They have exalted Paul and his words infinitely above the words of Yahshua. And I do get riled up at that. I really do. I get riled up and I get PO'd something fierce. I gotta, I gotta learn to control that. I, you know, I really do, cause I don't want to blow up in people's faces, right? You know, Yahshua, Yahshua prophesied in the parable of the wheat and the tares that uh, shortly after the apostles slept, right, died, that there was going to rise up a doctrine called the tares, and this was a doctrine of the devil himself. That's who he said. He said it was a devil that came in and sowed the tares, right? Um, go back and read this parable because this takes place around, <laughs> around the time of the death of the apostles, people. When they began to die, all of a sudden this doctrine of the tares began to rise up. And, uh, and if you go back and you read it, you will find out in this hour, at this time, at this time, people, God is going to separate the wheat from the tares, right? Well, the wheat, the wheat are the people who hear ye him. The, the, the wheat are the people that, have, that cleave to the words of the Son of God. They cleave to Yahshua. Okay? Who are the tares? These are the people of Paul. These are the, 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 the doctrines of Paul are the tares that Yahshua warned his apostles about. The doctrines of Paul are the tares. And many, many, many people have been sown with those doctrines. They were not sown with the word of life. They were not sown with the word of truth. They were sown with the word of the liar. And these are the people in this hour that God is separating. He is separating the wheat from the tare. He is separating the disciples of Yahshua. And who are the disciples of Yahshua? But I say unto you, unless you take up the cross and follow me, you are not worthy to be my disciple. All right, so who are the disciples of Yahshua? They're the ones who have picked up the cross and they follow him. Okay? Who are the tares? They're the ones that have kicked Yahshua, the Torah, the commandments out of their life. These are the tares. And God is going to separate the wheat from the tares. And the wheat he is going to, uh, he is going to harvest and he is going to put in his barn. His barn. But what's going to happen to those who were sown with the words of Paul? They're going to be gathered together under bundles to be burned. Scary stuff, people. And this is happening in this hour. It's happening in this hour. He is separating the wheat from the tares. That is why I say the light is come. I'm not the only person out there who is uh, teaching and preaching and warning against these doctrines. I'm not the only one out there. There's many others. 
many others who have come out of Paul and they have discovered the truth and the Holy Spirit has blasted open their eyeballs and has opened up the heart of their understanding and now they can see clearly. Oh my God, what have we done? And they're out there fighting. They are fighting a very good battle right now. And they're also out there doing the same things that we did when we came out. They're out there debating other Christians on the internet. And they're doing a very, very fine job. And there are people leaving Paul every single day. Every single day. And, uh, and it is my hope and it is my prayer that you're one of them. That you are one of them. Because when you do, all of a sudden, you're going you're gonna to find and you're going to feel a massive load come off your shoulders. It is as though you have come out from underneath a heavy, heavy, heavy weight. The weight of lies. The weight of condemnation. You know, and when you begin to really understand what the, if you want to call it a law, that's fine. But I tell you what, you're going to find, you go through and you begin to study Yahshua that everything is reciprocal. It is reciprocal, right? Judge not and you will not be judged, right? Condemn not, you will not be condemned. You don't have to worry about Paul. That You know how Paul deals with condemnation? He just says ignore it because he's clueless as to how to defeat it. He's clueless as to how to defeat it. Here's a massive lie that the man told in, uh, in, in Revelation 7. And again, when you meet the maker of heaven and earth, you're going to understand these lies. They're going to become very, very clear to you. Paul says, but, you know, before the command, I had life before the commandment came. But then when the commandment came, I found that which was to be life to become death unto me. So here's Paul denouncing the commandment, saying that when God said it was life, Paul says, no, it's death. Right? And I'm going to tell you something. God himself says the commandment is your life. So how can this little pissant say that he had life before the commandment? No, he did not. No, he didn't. There is no life before the commandment. There's no life before the commandment. But anyway, back to condemnation. If you do not want to be condemned, do not condemn others. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. That also includes political figures. And when the Holy Spirit first brought that up to me, it was like, oh, God, you know, because a lot of, for me, a lot of these things were happening during the uh, the Bush and Obama years. And I'm looking at two of the most wicked, evil men that ever sat in that office. And it's like, you know, and I've said a whole lot of stuff about those guys. And it's like, well, now I got to go back and I got to reverse engineer what I said, right? And the way you reverse engineer what you said is you just go back and, and, and you look at that person and you remember all the stuff that you said. Well, you lose them from your judgments. You loose them from your opinions. You loose them from all your negative comments. You loose them from, from all the condemnation. You loose them. Set them free. Besides, your judgment is worthless. You know, your judgment has no power. And when you judge, you bind yourself to the judgment that you mete out to others. When you condemn, you bind yourself to condemnation until you release the person. Right, release them, set them free from the condemnation you put upon them, and God will set you free from the condemnation that has come upon you. You release that person from the judgments you have spoken against them, and God will release you from the judgments that have come upon you. It's as simple as that. That's why I say it is reciprocal. And when you begin to understand the reciprocity here, uh, all of a sudden a whole new world is going to open up into you. All right? Uh, for example, if you will partake of his feast, right, his feast will become fulfilled within you, but it is necessary and it is incumbent upon you to actually do it, right? Now, when you go through the Feast of Unleavened Bread and you begin to understand 
that the entire wilderness experience, people, is a ginormous vision of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is where you are being purged of all falsehood. This is where you're being purged of rebellion, right? God says, I have brought you into this wilderness to, uh, in, in a sense, to humble you and to cause you to hunger and to cause you to thirst, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would love me and obey my commandment, whether you won't, right? That's the purpose. That's the purpose. And in the wilderness is where you really begin to fall in love with your heavenly Father. When you obey his voice and you do his commandments, you are going to find his love is, is beginning to be shed abroad in you. But I want to tell you something very important about the commandments of God in that the commandments of God begin with the name of the Father. This is where they begin. This is where the writing of the commandment upon your heart begins, is when the Son of God comes to you and declares the name Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. This is the name of the Father. And this is where the commandments begin. He says, I am Yahweh Elohim. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So the beginning of your freedom, people, begins with the name of the Father. And I remind you, when you receive within your heart, within your soul, within you, the name of the Father, you are also receiving the milfaw. You're also receiving the milfaw. Now, I think I've probably given you enough for now to chew on, but what I wanted to do is before I release this, uh, this, this other podcast that I had done called Effective Spiritual Warfare, and like I say, I, I got kind of tough in a, in a certain place there, and, uh, and I kind of regretted a little bit, and, and I thought, well, I better go back and uh, you know soften things up a little bit and give you some understanding just a, as to what the Torah really is. You know, you know what the Torah really is? It is, you shall love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's as simple as that. And the only way you can accomplish that, people, is by hear ye him. By hearing the instructions of Yahshua and applying them, and applying them, and applying them in your life. You do this, and you are going to begin to know the freedom of heaven. The freedom that, uh, oh my God, the freedom the freedom. The f- I need to uh, clear something up pretty quick for you. And that a uh, couple of minutes ago, I just went back and, you know, I listened to each part that I do here. A couple of minutes ago, I went back and, uh, and I listened and I had inadvertently said Revelation 7 and I meant Romans 7. So I just wanted to uh, clear that up for you. Uh, made a little mistake, so I'm correcting it. And uh, anyway. So I think I just want to say in conclusion that I hope. I really hope that I've uh, that I've cleared things up about the Torah to you, the instructions of God, the instructions from above, the word from above, the word from above. This is the word that will carry you back home to heaven. This is Michael. This has been the Blood Walk. And again, I sure hope you learned something today. And I'll uh, be talking to you later. Bye-bye.